Remember, aircraft travel is still in its infancy. You're probably talking about taking the train. Uh, so it came down to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville and the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of our Fred Talk on the history of the JAG School. That is the training ground for the United States Army's judge advocates or Army lawyers. When we left off, uh, we were talking about the U.S. Army's JAG Corps essentially being homeless around 1946 after their school at the University of Michigan had closed. Today, we'll talk about what happened after 1946 and how the U.S. Army's JAG Corps eventually found a home at the University of Virginia. Remember that you can only succeed on the battlefields of tomorrow if you first learn about the battlefields of yesterday. So today, join us as we continue to talk about the history of the JAG School. Sir, good morning, Mr. Bork. Uh, happy almost Thanksgiving as uh, we're recording on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And and for our listeners, something I wanted to tell them about is Mr. Bork continues to be the most interesting man in the world. Mr. Bork can actually speak a little bit of French. I, I heard him talking yesterday with one of our uh, exchange officers at the at West Point, and uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, Mr. Bork was rattling, rattling off a lot of uh, French vocabulary. So good morning, sir. Well, good morning to you, Captain Command, and full disclosure, Captain Command also speaks some French because his wife is French, and it's the language of love. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about what it was like in the JAG department. It's still a department in 1946, uh, but becomes a JAG Corps the following year, uh, the Army is rapidly downsizing, demobilizing. There were 8 million men and women in the Army in World War II, but it's a bigger Army because in this period, the Air Force is also part of the Army. Uh, the Air Force splits in 1947, becomes an independent force. Uh, there had been about 2,000 Army lawyers in the Army in World War II, so the active component was slightly larger than it is today. But people are leaving the service rapidly, lawyers returning to civilian life, and there were certainly uh, many Americans who thought having won World War II were not going to be in a major conflict for a long time, if ever. So the Judge Advocate General School closed at the University of Michigan in 1946 because uh, there was really no need to continue education and training. And I think that the Judge Advocate General uh, at the time probably concluded that uh, it would be a smaller JAG Corps or department and we would return to sort of our interwar period with a smaller army and a smaller number of judge advocates. But what no one could foresee was the outbreak of the Korean War in June of 1950. And complicating 
the outbreak of war, which meant the return of reservists to active duty as the army expanded again to meet the conflict on the Korean Peninsula, Congress had just enacted a brand new uniform code of military justice. So even if you were uh, an experienced judge advocate from the World War II era, you'd lived and worked under the Articles of War. And now we had a UCMJ that was totally different. So the brand new judge advocate general, uh, Ernest M. Mike Brannan, decided that we needed to reopen a JAG school, if for no other reason, to provide new education and training on the brand new UCMJ that had just come into effect and that reservists and active folks needed to know about. So uh, Brandon reopened the Judge Advocate General School at South Post Fort Myer. And South Post Fort Myer no longer exists. It's now part of Arlington National Cemetery. And aside, Fort Myer continues to shrink as the need for additional space at Arlington grows. Um, but that's where the school reopened. But almost immediately, uh, General Brannon, the TJAG, recognized that this was really not going to work. Uh, South Post Fort Myer didn't really have enough in the way of facilities for classrooms, but more importantly, there was no law library. And so, although Ham Young, who is still on active duty and a colonel, uh, was back as a commandant at Fort Myer, and remember Ham Young had been the commandant at Michigan, Ham Young is back, but almost immediately the Corps uh, begins to look for a new location for the JAG school. And there was a committee that looked all around the United States. The University of Michigan actually invited us to return. Uh, but I think Michigan was probably out because it was just too far away. Uh, remember, aircraft travel is still in its infancy. You're probably talking about taking the train. Uh, so it came down to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville and the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And when you when you say too far away, sir, you're talking about too far, far away from Washington, D.C. and too far away from some of these East Coast installations. Is, is that fair to say? Yes, I think that's exactly right. I think that if you are the judge advocate general in the Pentagon, and remember, we now have a Pentagon and a, and a defense establishment, the Defense Department has been created, uh, and there's a big, big uh, military establishment in Washington, you want your education and training to be close uh, but maybe not too close. And so Tennessee was acceptable, uh, and Charlottesville was too. It's like the uh, it's like the college student that moves away. You know, we want to be close to mom and dad, but not, <laughs> not too close. Well, I think that's true. Uh, and the real advantage and what really pushed uh, Virginia to the top of the list was this is a period when young men uh, are going to college as they never could before because of the GI Bill. And so almost every public university is getting students who, before the war, never could afford to go to college. Uh, but what's the problem? 
You need more dormitory space. You need more buildings. You need more classrooms. And at the University of Virginia, uh, the university had just completed a dormitory right behind the law school. In those days, we were over on main grounds, or the law school was over on main grounds in a facility called Clark Hall, which, by the way, today is the Department of Environmental Sciences. And the university president said, look, if the JAG Corps comes here to the University of Virginia, we will give you this dormitory to use for your offices, and more importantly, you can have a BOQ. There simply wasn't much in the way of hotel rooms in Charlottesville in 1950-51. And uh, if you could get a hotel room, it was relatively expensive. But the JAG Corps realized, hey, we can have a BOQ. And we can charge 50 cents a night or 75 cents a night. The students will be right there. We can have our offices. And so that's how we came here. And my recollection is that the original lease to lease the dormitory and use the law school facilities at Clark Hall, I think, was about $47,000 a year. It was a bargain then. It's significantly more now. Uh, but again, the core here is in a unique situation because we don't own the facility the university owns it. It's located on the university grounds, and we simply uh, rent it. But the dormitory was important, but I also think that UVA was very attractive because it had the largest law library in the South. And for those of you who were a little bit younger, books really were important in 1951. You had to have a law library if you were going to have a law school. And I think the Army JAG Corps wisely made the decision that we don't want to have to build a library and maintain a library. A lot smarter to get to an existing law school and use that law, law library. So today UVA probably has 10 million books, plus everything's online. But back in the day, uh, a library with 100,000 books was really important. So that's why we ended up at the University of Virginia. And what, what year, sir? Sorry if you said that already, but what, what year are we talking about? Uh, so we reopened the school at, at South, Post, South Post Fort Myer in uh, ninth, end of 1950, and we moved down here in August of 1951, and we have been here ever since. Okay, so, so that four-year gap, 46 to, to 1950 or so, I imagine judge advocates are just relying on their experience and whatever institutional knowledge is out there to, to, to generate new judge advocates. I, I think that's true. And uh, to the extent you have uh, new lawyers coming in to the, to the core between uh, 46 and 51, um, they're relatively uh, small in number. and there was, even in the, in the 60s, no requirement to actually go to the basic course. So, for example, uh, General Will Persons, uh, West Point, class of 1946, uh, then went on what was the precursor or forerunner of the fully 
funded program, went to Harvard, uh, got his law degree. Uh, Will Persons never went to the basic course, and he never went to the graduate course. And he was the TJAG uh, from 1975 to 1979. So they really, even though you open this JAG school, there's really not a requirement that you actually go. So I think your comment is correct. Between 46 and, and 50, we had sufficient numbers of experienced lawyers in the Corps that uh, it wasn't really an issue. So um, the only other thing to, to mention is that uh, the first commandant of the newly reconstituted school in Charlottesville is uh, Colonel Ted Decker. And Decker um, was the Judge Advocate General from 1961 to 1963, uh, but he's the one who really put together the brand new JAG school down here. A little bit of a, a counterfactual with Ted Decker, uh, after the Air Force was created in 1947, then Lieutenant Colonel Ted Decker asked to leave the Army JAG Corps and go to the new Air Force JAG Corps. Fortunately, the TJAG at the time, Tom Green, said, no way you're going to the Air Force, you're staying here. And so the question has to be for you as a historian is, what if Ted Decker had gone to the Air Force? Would we be here in Charlottesville? Uh, would he have made the impact on the Corps uh, that he did? So uh, last thing to share with you is remember that it's the Judge Advocate General School until 2002 when it's transformed by General Tom Romick, who's the TJAG, into the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School. Prior to 2002, it was commanded by a colonel, but as everyone knows today, the commander here is a brigadier general. And so that's it. And if, and if we don't have a Judge Advocate General's legal center, we may never have Fred Talks. So here we are, Mr. Bork. Uh, we've come full circle. Thank you for, for uh, shedding light on the, the transition to the University of Virginia. I think we now have the complete picture of how the JAG school started and, and, and where it is currently. Uh, and uh, Mr. Bork, a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Well, thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Uh, one uh, P.S. here, uh, we are the only one of the three military law schools that has, it's not exactly accreditation, but recognition by the American Bar Association, and we are the only institution in the world that grants a master's degree in in this case, military law by act of Congress, and we've been able to do that since 1988. Well, on that note, Mr. Bork, uh, thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next Fred Talk after the holiday. Interested in providing material to the JAG Corps' Future Concepts Directorate? Reach out to us via Twitter or LinkedIn at JAGFCD. 
or visit our website at tjaglix.army.mil forward slash FCD. That's tjaglcs.army.mil forward slash FCD. We're always on the lookout for the next guest, topic, discussion, or yes, even the next Fred Talk. As always, the views expressed on the podcast are the views of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School, the United States Army, the Department of Defense, or any other agency of the United States government. Reference in this episode to any specific commercial product, process, or service, or the use of any trade, firm, or corporation name is for the information and convenience of the public and does not constitute endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by the Department of Defense. Remember that you can only succeed on the battlefields of tomorrow if you first learn about the battlefields of yesterday. So thank you for joining us today. For the JAG Corps' Future Concepts Directorate, I am Captain Justin Command. We'll catch you on the next episode of Fred Talks.